Welcome to the Yacht Business Podcast. I'm your host, David Fuller. In this episode, we look at the first ever Sail GP event in Dubai, the fan experience, the challenge of running an event in a new market and a new environment. And we talk to Todd Reynolds, Director of Web3 Strategy for Sail GP, about the DAO-based team owned by fans. CLGP is an ambitious project, the latest attempt to create a global professional sailing league with a consistent calendar that attracts sailors, partners and fans alike. As the name suggests, CLGP is modelled on Formula One, perhaps even trying to compete with the motorsport series for fans and sponsors. To make things more challenging, CLGP is powered by nature. Not just the foiling catamarans, but the race village too, utilising solar farms and biodiesel. The umpires sit in a studio in London to save on flights, and teams with more marketing personnel are penalised in the Impact League, where points are awarded against sustainability criteria. But that's not all. Sail GP also has an Inspire program, a Women's Pathway program, and an eSail GP too. We spoke to a local Abu Dhabi sailor about the Inspire project. So I'm Salam al-Mansouri. Uh, I'm from Abu Dhabi. I do sailing. And what type of sailing do you do? Uh, I do sailing uh, laser, laser idea. And uh, also I'm a coach now. Ah, mashallah. Congratulations. Yeah. What do we need to do to get more women, local women, sailing? Um, maybe like showing to the media, because media is an important thing uh, in the community. Showing more female athletes sailing, going around the world, giving like uh, inspiration, uh, talks, and uh, yeah. Excellent. What about your friends? Yeah. Can we encourage your friends to start sailing? Of course we can. Like, I, <laughs> like my friends are um, like when they see me doing sailing, they uh, they feel like they're uh, inspired. They feel like. Oh, we'd like to do this. You're doing something amazing. You're doing something like uh, that isn't uh, much uh, around here, uh, like sailing. Uh, it's not a well-known sport uh, really in the UAE, but uh, it just gives them an inspiration that they can enjoy doing it as a female hijabi woman. So, in terms of the, the sailing aspect, what do you think you've learned as a person? Since you started sailing, um, I've learned to uh, um, ignore the negative comments uh -huh. and uh, motivate myself and myself to uh, always uh, continue doing uh, what I like to do and uh, reaching to my goals and uh, not let uh, anything uh, stop me. So, specifically, what have you, is there anything you've learned this week while you've been here at the Sail GP event? So, I've learned. Seeing the female athletes here, that I can reach to this place easily. I can, uh, by training, uh, exercising, and putting the effort, one day I can be there. It's worth noting that the daytime temperature in Dubai in November is in the low to mid-30s centigrade, which is about 90 degrees Fahrenheit. This had no small impact on the event, not only for the sailors, but also the fans, especially on day one of racing when there was very little wind and very little shade. So what was the SailGP Dubai fan experience like? 
Well, Dubai is a tough market for live events. Residents are spoilt for choice when it comes to entertainment options, and sailing, which is a niche in almost every country, is even more so in the Emirate. It's rare to see a mast at the annual Dubai boat show amongst the super yachts, and the large traditional dow racing scene is confined to locals. While the sailors at the Dubai Offshore Sailing Club knew of the event, some of the residents we talked to said they were not aware that SailGP was even happening. On the other hand, given the central location of DXB, the huge international airport serviced by Emirates and other carriers, some European guests said that it was easier for them to visit Dubai to see the CLGP than it was Saint-Tropez. Like Formula One, the fan experience differs greatly depending on what kind of fan you are and how much you are willing to pay for the experience. Just like a stadium event, there is nowhere to view the racing without a ticket. The course was designed to give spectators on shore a real close-up view of the racing. The bottom turning marks were almost within touching distance of the crowds. Crews also commented on being able to hear the crowd, as well as the added challenge of manoeuvring in a confined space of the port. Here's what Team GB skipper Ben Ainsley said about the course. I think it's a great venue, I really do. It's it's tight, but with the breakwater, you know, guaranteed flat water, which is fantastic for these foiling boats. And... Normally in Dubai you don't get so much breeze. I think if you were sailing around here at 30, 40 kilometers an hour boat speed, uh, uh, wind speed, it would be pretty full on. It would be a really tight course. But in these lighter, light to medium breezes, it's, it's a good course. Most sailing fans who are a sailor viewed the action on the water from boats. The number of sailboats anchored along the side of the racetrack was about the same as the keelboat race day fleet at dusk. There was only one super yacht anchored beside the course, a lot fewer than other events, and perhaps due to space constraints. The general entry ticket in Dubai was standing room only, in the sun, with no shaded areas. In 32 degree heat, that's a tough ask of a fan, even if they've only played 15 dirhams or about $5. The platinum ticket was probably the best experience. A large air-conditioned marquee, catering and covered seating, for 300 dirhams or about $80. That's the same price per person as a Dubai brunch, just the kind of crowd that GP would be looking to attract. And then there's the Adrenaline Lounge. Think F1 Paddock Club, only partners and super VIPs. Apparently, even if you're a Wimbledon champion, you can't get in here, and that's on purpose. Sign on the dotted line to be a sponsor, and you can breathe this rarefied air, although it is hot. We understand the organisers chose Dubai to test out a new non-air-conditioned format for the Adrenaline Lounge. But at least the teams were prepared for the heat, right? The organisers weren't the only ones who weren't quite ready for the weather. But some teams did better than others. Australian skipper Tom Slingsby underestimated the heat. Have you done anything differently to prepare for the heat this weekend? I haven't done anything differently to prepare for the heat. Uh probably should have. I felt like I was overheating, uh, especially when I was getting angry out there. But um, uh, yeah, we, we do have like all cold towels and, and ice in our drinks and things like that. So little things, but uh, it's hard to, yeah, it's really hard to adapt to it. When the wind died down, it gets really hot. You've got less wind on you and uh, it's really easy to overheat. Tough for the grinders, I guess, as well. Yeah, the grinders, yeah, it's hard work for them. Yeah, just grinding in that much heat with such little wind, they're just overheating the entire time. Team USA's Jimmy Spittle had some help from his sponsors, Red Bull. How many uh, yeah. have those of you had today? <laughs> oh, I took it easy today, just six. Have you um, changed your preparation to prepare for the heat in any way? Um, yeah, definitely. Obviously, really watching the hydration. 
you know, that's key. I mean, yeah, it's a little bit of a balance on how much you're doing before the race, especially in the lighter conditions. But we also have the beauty where we can swap our team around. Um, we've got a very, very solid team. So for our, our power guys in the front, we're constantly rotating those guys just to try and get a bit of recovery. That's good. Yeah, I was going to say, it's easier driving than grinding today. Oh, yeah. Any day, I was. <laughs> One way you might be able to get yourself into the Adrenaline Lounge is by owning a piece of the new Bermuda and Caribbean team via a DAO on Nier. We spoke to Todd Reynolds, Director of Strategy for Web3 for SailGP, about the concept. Uh, Todd Reynolds, I'm the Director of Web3 Strategy for SailGP. And what does Web3 mean? <laughs> yeah, so I'm focused on uh, how do we bring Web3 into SailGP uh, with Nier, which is a SailGP global partner. Uh, Web3 is really the next evolution of the internet, uh, which is focused on how do we build distributed networks um, and have less centralized control. Okay. So is it more technologically led from your point of view or is it more ideologically led? I guess it's a bit of both. It is just like we don't talk about HTTPS in in the internet. Uh, Web3 is a term that gets thrown around quite a bit. But really what we're focused on is how do you uh, have more people involved? And how do you, uh, with a fan-owned team, how do you use Web3 to facilitate that? Okay, fantastic. So, CellGP has announced uh, a DAO, which is basically a, a fan-owned team using Near and, and Web3. Tell us more about that concept. Yeah, that's exactly it. So it's a fan-owned team, similar to the Green Bay Packers in the, in the NFL. Uh, it's facilitated by a DAO. Uh, so to manage that global tens of thousands of members of the DAO uh, will be done using Web3, and it's built on Near. So the DAO will be tens of thousands of people or hundreds yeah. of people? Uh, the DAO will be tens of thousands of members. Uh, that breaks down into uh, two different classes of ownership. Uh, one will be the equity owners of the team. Uh, under U.S. securities law, that's limited to 2,000 people. Um, and then there's another class of token that will still have voting rights in the say of the DAO and the governance of the DAO and get membership benefits. Uh, and that will be open uh, to anybody. And the hope is to have tens of thousands of uh, members involved in that. Being members of the original DAOs, which are sailing clubs, and they are horrible things to administer. How How is that going to work in practice? Is it just majority rules? Yeah, so it actually, um, we go all the way back to kind of first principles of governance when you set this up. And so us as SailGP, the league, our job is to write the rules and enforce those rules. So we've actually changed our league rules, our version of the Concord Agreement, uh, to specifically allow a fan-owned team facilitated by a DAO. Under those rules, there's a, it lays out a couple other things. One is it has to be regulatory compliant. And two is it has to have a constitution. Uh, that constitution has to lay out how the voting works, how the team will actually operate, how you actually amend the constitution. Um, and then the way that constitution gets implemented is actually, and I'm, I'm an American here, but uh, you have an executive branch of the government, right? The, the president in the U.S. That'll be an op, a team operator. Uh, that will be actually responsible for the day-to-day delivery of a high-performance sport organization, right? As you know, in a yacht club, if you had 10,000 people picking who was going to be the skipper on the boat, it, it wouldn't yet. work. But that, So the operator, though, and the, really the director of racing operations, is going to be the, the fans and the members will have a chance to input into who that is and vote on who that is. That person on the day, though, will be making the decisions. And so you have the executive, the team operator, and they report into Congress. And so in the, in the U.S., we have two houses of government. We have the Senate. They control the purse strings. That those equity uh, token holders. Uh, and then we have the People's House. Um, and that will be the rest of the tens of thousands of members. And again, mo- both classes of token will have uh, voting rights into how the DAO is governed and operated. Things like uh, selecting management, 
approving management, things like approving the design of the boat, maybe even the pool of the rosters that the sporting director is picking from, uh, how the team is activating, how the team is marketing itself. Uh, one of the first decisions of the DAO will actually be what's the nickname of the new team. Um, and all of that will uh, be facilitated using Web3 and then implemented by the team uh, operator, which we announced last week. So no CLGP is, has traditionally been a country-based team. Why did you decide to have this team tethered to a specific country or region rather than have it as a sort of barbarians, rest of the world style team? Yeah, um, the, the DAO had the opportunity to, to go a bunch of different routes, right? The DAO could have actually bought one of the existing teams, right? Australia, the, the world champion, maybe the DAO could have chosen to, to select them. Uh, it could have started up a new team. There's a bunch of countries that are not represented yet in GP that have amazing sailing uh, tradition and passion and passionate fans. But in some respects, those would be too narrow for Web3, right? It would then only be Italian owners or Australian owners and so on. And the, the power of Web3 is that it can reach a global audience. At the same time, if we went to a completely world team or a UN team, that's almost too broad. How do you market that? Who, who really is the fan base there? And that's where we've settled in, in the, the team... Um, Bruno Locke and David Palmer, who's standing up and implementing the DAO, uh, approached CLGP and said, we want to do a regional team. We think that really aligns with the nation versus nation uh, concept of CLGP, but still is broad enough that it's actually bigger can, than a single country. And that, that the Bermuda and Caribbean region is just such an amazing region that folks from North America, from Europe, from all around the world love to go and visit. Um, and so you combine the maritime tradition, the amazing sailing talent uh, of this group of islands that on their own, are almost too small to really be able to do their own GP team. And like Bermuda in particular is just an amazing tradition, amazing history with GP. Um, and this is going to allow uh, Bermuda to play a role in a GP team that hopefully reaches well beyond the shores of the islands themselves. And will the nationality, same nationality rules apply? Exactly. The same, same nationality rules. Uh, there's developing versus developed nations. This will be a developing nation. Uh, but the, and the athletes themselves will have to be from that region. So the countries of the Caribbean and Bermuda uh, will, will be where the country the, the sailors are pulled from. Are the tokens, you've mentioned there's two tokens. Are the, is that near tokens or is that another token sitting on top of near? It's a token sitting on top of near. And uh, folks will be able to get involved. Um, almost the, the Web3 will be extracted away. Uh, it really is just a mechanism of facilitating it, just like we don't talk about how HTTPS is used to send emails. Um, you'll be able to be involved in the DAO using uh, fiat, using credit cards, using uh, cryptocurrency if people do choose to. Um, and then the mechanism for the voting will be done just using any old website or any traditional website is how it will feel. The back end, the infrastructure, though, that facilitates it in a very trustless distributed way will be Web3. And I know what you've just said makes a lot of sense that, you know, basically the the messaging is you can be you can be a part owner of the team and if you're a super fan you get certain benefits and how much of a crossover do you think there is between a sale GP fan and a somebody who understands tokenomics and, and Web3 and, and DAOs? Yeah, I think the, the, the actually the first part of your question I want to touch on, like why do this? And I think that's really important to understand is uh, it, when I first really got started thinking about this, because yes, I think Web3 is exciting, and yes, I'm excited about that aspect of it, but that enough is not enough reason to do this. The reason to do this is fundamentally why does professional sport exist? Right? Professional sport exists to build fat, passionate fan bases. And the, the way that fan, teams now engage with those fan bases to really reward the most engaged fans, they're building loyalty programs. A DAO team, a fan-owned team, is the ultimate implementation of a loyalty program who are going to be the first members of this team? And I, I think it's a Venn diagram. I think there are passionate sailing uh, fans, GP fans, 
that would love to be have a say in their team, have a voice in their team, be an owner of their team, but maybe not be able to do it by themselves, right? These these teams are uh, are more than what most people are able to do, um, and so that's going to be definitely one target audience. Uh, that's why I'm most excited about it. A second audience actually is just around sport, right? The primitive that we're building here is something that we're starting in SailGP. SailGP's leaned into this, but there's a lot of folks outside of sailing, outside of SailGP and racing and just more traditional sport that are excited about the primitive and how this applies to their league. Uh, so we have a number of folks that are excited from that element. And then the final element is the Web3 uh, community. And this is, I think, one of the most tangible real world implementations of how Web3 will impact the world in the future. Uh, and it's been tried before in a couple of areas, but nobody's really said, you know what, we're going to go all in. We're going to allow this to happen. We're going to change the rules to make sure it happens in a compliant way. And we're really going to embrace it. And that's what CLGP's done. What happens if things go wrong? Who's responsible? Yeah, so that's the team operator. Uh, so a lot of DAOs that exist today are um, kind of set up. They, they run Purely autonomously. Yep. And, and things that are happening completely on chain. Uh, that works fine, right? But we have this connection to the real world. We are running a sailing team. Uh, that's where this team operator is uh, really, really important. The first team operator we announced last week uh, is going to be uh, Bruley Lock. It's a U.S. Uh, company uh, founded by David Palmer. And David Palmer has a, a long history in building global membership organizations uh, around experiences. And when you think about what does a membership in a sports team mean, it really is all about experiences. And so we could not be think of a better founding member of the DAO. Uh, his organization initially is responsible for compliance, executing on the, the team itself. And then they're going to have to be approved and voted on. And maybe another team operator is going to come in in the future. That's going to be up to the DAO to decide. Right. Okay. And, it's, and it also has to meet the financial requirements of CellGP as well, right? Exactly. It's interesting to note that the team will be focused on a region and not a barbarians-style rest-of-the-world team. The Australian team has 27,000 followers on Instagram, the British team 30,000, getting tens of thousands of fans to put their hands in their crypto wallets to support a Caribbean team could be quite a big challenge, especially after what just happened to Bahamas-based crypto exchange FTX. Meanwhile, the next SailGP race will be in Singapore in mid-January 2023. It's another new venue with tricky logistics and temperatures similar to those experienced in Dubai. Thanks to the SailGP team, including Saskia Clark, for her insightful base tour. We will watch the DAO and other developments with interest. Don't forget to subscribe so you get the episodes as soon as they go live. In the coming months, some of the content will also be restricted to Patreon members, so if you get value from the podcast, consider becoming a supporter of the show through that platform. It's only a few dollars a month. I'll see you next time.